This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, good morning, friends, family, countrymen. Hello. Uh, my name is Mike Mobley. I'm one of the pastors here. I see uh, plenty of top half new faces out here in the crowd. So if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, uh, I'd love to be able to do that today after the service. We've been in a series going through the book of Mark. We just started that last week. Uh, Corey did a great job kind of introducing that for us, talking about John the Baptist, or otherwise known as JTB. We figured that out last week. And how Jesus was the new headliner of that day. And how John, he was preparing the way as told what happened in the book of Isaiah. So we're going to be continuing in this. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 9 through 11. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we talk about this every week. Of course, use your phone if you'd like, but we have plenty of paper ones in the back. If you want to grab one, keep it. Uh, it's our gift to you. If you know someone who genuinely doesn't have a Bible, please grab one or two, give it to them. We really want to get a copy of God's words in everyone's hands. Uh, the Bible for us, we believe, is 100% perfect and is the very word of God, and it's always going to be our authority as a church. So Mark chapter 1, 9 through 11. So Mark is one of the four Gospels uh, we have in the New Testament, and its primary audience at that time, they were the Romans. And if you compare Mark to the other Gospels, you can see it moves pretty fast, and it's the shortest of all of them. So if you're a little book reader, Mark is the Gospel uh, for you. It's kind of rapid-fire specific events from the life and ministry of Jesus, and it proves to a Roman audience and all of us that he is the Christ the Son of God, who served, suffered, died, and rose again as the suffering servant as prophesied in Isaiah. We're going to see a lot of correlation between Isaiah and Mark. So Mark 1, 9 through 11, let's read this. <clears throat> it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're so thankful to be here, that you provided for us. It's no coincidence we're in this room, we're watching right now on this very day. Would you, Holy Spirit, just minister to our hearts and our minds what your word has for us. I believe there's things in these two verses and out of Isaiah and things we're going to talk about today that it's exactly what we need to hear and what we need to apply to our lives. And so just for the next 20, 30 minutes or so, God, would you open up our hearts and our minds to take in what you're saying to us and that we'd be faithful to apply that. Uh, we love you. It's in Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So if you remember it all from last week, we talked a lot about John and the significance of him being the forerunner for Jesus. And in verse 7, if you remember, John says, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. And so here we are, here comes Jesus to get baptized. Kind of imagine this for a moment. If you're John, right, you've been in the wilderness, you've been preaching You've been baptizing, so regions of people have been coming to you. He recognizes the importance of Jesus, which we see an incredible example of humility, 
right? So John 3.30, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He knows his place. Like, he knows he's not the headliner. And then here comes Jesus. So just think about that for a second. This baptism is so significant, it's recorded in all four of the Gospels. It's the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And we don't really hear too much of Jesus for about 30-something years leading up to this point. And if you think about it, this baptism and kind of the way 30-something years later a public ministry would begin, it's not really the way we would do it. I mean, I don't think it'd be the way we would do it. I mean, I feel like we would be following Jesus around his entire life. As soon as he was born, we'd probably have a camera on him. We'd be broadcasting everything. It'd be like a reality TV show. It'd be like, instead of Big Brother, it'd be like, I don't know, Big Jesus or Survivor or whatever. The point is, it's not the way we would really do it, right? We wouldn't be waiting 30-something years. But it's a good reminder for us, and this might be for you today, that God thinks and acts differently than we do. But at the same time, his will, as Romans 12.2 says, is good, acceptable, and perfect. We so often just wonder, God, why is it happening like this? Why am I going through this in my life? Isaiah 55, 8-9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus came from Nazareth, from the region of Galilee. It was a small town in the middle of nowhere, basically unheard of, wasn't popular. In fact, it was pretty much despised because in that area, it was the furthest away from Jerusalem and was full of Gentiles, basically non-Jews. So we got Jesus 30-something years later from an unknown area. Here he comes, and he gets baptized. So it kind of begs the question, why? Like, why, why is Jesus getting baptized? What's the point of this? So I think there's three reasons why just happens to be three reasons why. I wanted to share that. So this would be a good time for notes, whether you use your phone or the worship guy there in your seats. Um, I think there's three reasons why Jesus was baptized. So the first one is, I believe Jesus identifies with us. So in getting baptized, he joins those who are repenting and confessing their sins and getting baptized themselves. But it's important to remember that Jesus did not have to actually repent or confess his sins, right? Because he himself was without sin. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was without sin, but he aligned himself with those he came to save. And we still practice baptism today as the church, right? We choose to trust in Jesus and repent from our sins. We talked about this last week, repenting meaning to turn away from our sins, to go in the other direction. We choose out of obedience as a follower of Jesus to get baptized, to symbolically show us dying to our old ways by going under the water and rising again to newness of life as we follow Jesus. The word baptize means actually to dip or immerse, which is why we actually go under the water. And baptism, it doesn't actually save us. The practice of baptism doesn't save us, 
Jesus is the one who saves us. But baptism is a practice we believe all followers of Jesus are called to obey and follow through on. It typically happens when you first believe, when we first uh, come to know Jesus, but of course it can happen later. And a quick side note, we do this at different times as a church throughout the year. Our next ones will be coming up in March. So if you are interested in getting baptized, let us know. You can go online or just uh, talk with us about it. So Jesus identifies with us through his baptism. The next one is Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. So he identifies with us in his baptism, but he also fulfills quite a bit of Old Testament. So I don't know about you. I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I feel like we tend to write off the Old Testament as something that's old, right? We like to just kind of read the New Testament most of the time. But the whole story of God, if you go through the whole Bible, which where are we? We're near the end of February. So if you're on a one-year plan, this might be a really hard time for you. There might be a lot of numbers, laws. There's different, there's different Bible reading plans out there. Those are important too. But if you read it all from cover to cover, you'll see there's a whole story of God, and it magnifies him even more when you know the Old Testament and then read the New Testament in light of that. So the presence of the Holy Spirit on Jesus, it was promised in Isaiah 42.1. It says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations." And then in Isaiah 11:2, it says, it continues, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Jesus is the fulfillment of these promises from the Old Testament. The spirit descending on him like a dove is not a literal dove. A dove didn't actually come out from the sky and land on him, but it signifies gentleness and purity. The Spirit came into Jesus, and then he was equipped for his ministry. It's a beautiful picture here of the Trinity. We have, at, uh, at Jesus' baptism, we basically have the Son who is baptized, right? the Father who speaks, and then the Spirit who descends. And it confirms the identity of Jesus as the Son. Sometimes we gloss over these few verses, and we go, okay, he came out and get baptized, and the Father approved and move on. This is very significant. Now, he didn't become the son of God at this moment, but rather he was declared and empowered as the son of God for his ministry. John Piper, he has a uh, great quote on this. I almost said great quote, but that would be baby talk. So we're not going to do, not going to do baby sermons. So it says, uh, John Piper said, when Jesus was baptized along with all the repenting people who wanted to be on God's side, it was as though the commander-in-chief had come to the front lines, fastened his bayonet, strapped on his helmet, jumped into the trench along with the rest of us. And when he did that, his Father in heaven, who had sent him for this very combat, signified that the Holy Spirit would be with him in the battles to come. Jesus identifies with us, and he fulfills Old Testament prophecy. The last one, and we just sang about this actually, Jesus is approved by his Father. Mark says, as Jesus comes out of the water, immediately, that's an important word there in Mark, it's translated as soon as. In the Greek, it's the word euthus, meaning immediately at once. 
And Mark uses it 41 times in the book of Mark. It communicates a sense of urgency and often introduces a new incident or a surprising turn of events. That's kind of what that word means. Jesus sees the heavens being torn open. And this word occurs only one other time in Mark, and it's when God the Father tears the temple curtain in two from top to bottom. So we see at Jesus' baptism and at his crucifixion, we see God the Father intervene supernaturally in declaring Jesus is the Son of God. And Isaiah 64.1, it predicted this. It said, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. The Father declares Jesus is the Son of God and gives him his approval. So Mark 1.11 is one of the most important verses we have in Scripture, with God declaring this about his Son. The phrase, you are my Son, it's also found in Psalm 2.7, and in calling Christ beloved, we're reminded of the way Abraham saw Isaac in the Old Testament, his only son, he was called to sacrifice in Genesis 22.2. And it bears the weight of Christ being the one and only. God saying, I'm well pleased, it comes from Isaiah 42.1. There's a lot of correlation here with Mark and Isaiah. Isaiah 42.1 that we read earlier, in whom my soul delights. So this approval by his father coupled with everything else we're going to see in Mark as we continue to unpack this book, right? Jesus's life, miracles, death, resurrection, it makes Jesus's divine status undeniable if you take all this in. He wasn't just a good teacher. There's a lot of beliefs out there. He was just a good teacher, just had some good morals. He wasn't just a good teacher. He is the very son of God in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins as it talks about in Colossians 1. Jesus identifies with us. He fulfills Old Testament prophecy. And Jesus is approved by his Father. And so right here in Mark, in 9 through 11, we see the very beginning of the public ministry of Jesus Christ. And everything starts out from our identity. So when our son, Matthew, when he was about four years old, there was, a, there was a moment I told him that I was proud of him. And so I just wanted to tell him that. I was just thinking about how much I loved him. And I wasn't really set like, you just don't really hear that all the time. Fathers don't always go out of the way to say, hey, I'm proud of you. And, you know, I, I don't know what he was going to do. Like he probably just was going to smile or laugh or just keep playing with his toys and ignore me altogether, which is really common if you're a parent, you have like a meaningful moment you want to say to your child, and that's the time they are not interested at all. They're just like, are you even saying anything to me right now? It's like, oh, great. I love you too. So I don't know what he was going to do, but I said, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. And he was playing, but he stopped. And he looked at me, and it caught me off guard because it was like, what are you, why are you looking at me like that? It was weird. It was just a, it was just a weird thing. Um, sometimes they're cute and sometimes it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but he looked back at me and he very seriously kind of tilted his head and he was like, why? Like, why? I don't understand. Why are you proud of me? And it was serious. He wasn't like, oh, why? But it hit him really hard. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I told him, well, because I love you and we moved on. But it got me thinking a lot. If a four-year-old 
asked that question in a way of almost doubting why would his own father be proud of him, how many of us are walking around questioning how God, our father, would be proud of us? Do we really believe that today? We want to do great things for the Lord, and we want to do that as a church. But very often, God is, I'm pleased with you, just who you are. And I think that makes us feel a little uncomfortable. I think we feel uncomfortable when someone compliments us, let alone God, our Heavenly Father, saying, I'm well pleased. Just think about that. The painful part of this, of course, is that we do live in a broken world, and we experience broken relationships because of sin, so much so that what we're talking about, the thought that God would approve us through Jesus, it's, it's hard for us to believe. And we've sometimes had good examples in this life, and sometimes we haven't had the best examples. We hear that Jesus lived a perfect life, Right, we, we've, we've heard that. Most of us have heard that. You might be hearing it for the first time today, that he died on the cross paying the penalty for our past, present, and future sins, that he rose from the grave three days later and offers us new life in him. We've heard this. We hear that we can believe and trust in Jesus and turn away from our sins and that becoming a Christian and can be forgiven for all eternity. We hear this, and some of us have even chosen to follow Jesus. We believe it when we hear it, but then, what happens? I mean, I don't know for you, maybe five minutes later, or that evening, or the next day, or the next week, we forget. We, in practice, we forget our identity in the Lord, that we're an approved child of God. And on our worst day and best day, we need Jesus just the same. And he loves us just the same. We so often forget our identity. The F- God the Father approves us through God the Son while being empowered by God the Spirit. So I recognize you may not follow Jesus today if you're in here or if you're watching. Not everyone is going to be following Jesus, and that's okay. This is an invitation. It's an invitation to no longer find your identity in things like, we're all guilty of this, our jobs, how much money we make, maybe our family, where we live, how many followers we have online, what people say or have said about us. It's an invitation to believe in Jesus and believe God is proud of you and loves you so much so that he would send his one and only son for you. The Bible is really simple and clear in saying the invitation to choose and believe in Jesus and turn away from your sins and you can begin to follow him and that's it. It can happen today, and you can actually find your new identity in him and live out of that and think through that for the rest of your days. It changes everything when we think that way. And for the Christian, if you follow Jesus today, you need to be reminded of your identity in Christ. And out of that identity, what's something you need to start doing today that you haven't been? And likewise, what's something you need to stop doing that you've been doing? I bet chances are the Holy Spirit's telling you something right now. There's something for you very specifically to start doing that you haven't. And he's knocking at the door, 
or there's something you might need to stop doing that you have been. And that's okay. The grace abounds. We've got to start each day reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. And I think that works well on a Sunday, but I think by the time we leave here and just get going, maybe, maybe by the time lunch is over, we just forget. And then the day's responsibilities start getting in the way. We start getting distracted. We've got to start each day remembering that God is pleased with us through Jesus. So as Charlie comes up here, we believe the Bible is living and active. It says so it is in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Those are good verses to memorize right there. We believe it's not just a book, but when we read or hear it, things actually change within us for the better. And so I don't know what you've had going on this week, the first week back after crazy ice storm stuff. Getting back to normal is probably a crazy week catching up for everyone. And maybe this weekend's going to the, the next normal week, but we shouldn't say normal week anymore because we can't say that and it's been like 10 years. So whatever it's going to happen, there's probably a lot going on in everyone's lives. We all have different relationships around us, different responsibilities. There's a lot coming at us. And so this might be just a few minutes that you've had just to sit still for a second. I want to take some time, and I'd ask that you posture yourself with whatever works best for you to hear these words from Scripture. To believe that these words are, in fact, living and active. And to hear more about our identity, which is found through Christ. So we're just going to take a few minutes here. You can close your eyes, you can write it down, you can look at the screens. Whatever helps you could just kind of empty yourself before the Lord at this moment. God, we're so thankful, Jesus, that you identify with us. You fulfill Old Testament prophecy here and in other places throughout your life and in the Bible. And that you gave us an example and you were approved by your Father. I pray everyone in this room or watching, or listening can hear these words, wash over them, find their approval, God, from you, and just who they are before anything else. Jesus, you made a way for us And as we follow you and as you're pleased with us, I pray that the weights of our lives and responsibilities, that they fall off our shoulders because Jesus, you carry the heavy load for us.
And if we have no one else on this earth to relate to and in, in what it's like to be fully approved, God, you tell us we are through Jesus. And I pray that that's enough. Even if it's a little scary, God, that we would on faith believe you. And then in that faith, that would overflow towards a greater level of obedience and to experience the fullness of life that we talk about. There's such freedom that comes with being approved in our identities in you, God. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine.
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.